This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We're busy with a series called A Call to Radical Discipleship. We call it Radical, okay? Radical. Didn't you know and say Radical? Okay. Okay, so we looked at this whole idea of this little root. Um, the primary root or radical is the first organ to appear where the seed germinates. It grows downward into the soil, anchoring the seedling. The, that little seed root, that primary root is called a radical. Okay, a radical. And so God has not called us to be fundamental. He's called us to be radical. Uh, many people say like, no, 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 I'm, I can't, I'm not, can't be a radical Christian. But every statement Jesus made was a statement contrary not every, but most, to the culture of the day. And so one of the definitions that I like is one expressing strict adherence to a worldview that is at extreme odds with the cultural norm. And I got that from God Questions, WW. Okay, I actually like that. But to be rooted in Christ, to walk in Christ, lots of people today, and especially you know, there's some stats that came out this week of some of the more reformed churches in our country. Um, it is crazy that, you know, I read some of the stats in the newspaper that in 1998, they, most of the reformed churches, I'm not trying to be disrespectful tonight, but had a membership of a million. It's gone down to 200,000 in basically 20 years. Lots of people say, well, no, it's because people, you know, are more modern. They're more like, they don't like reformation or any stuff. And there may be many roots. But a lot of people are moving away from church or even the institution of church. But um, they're trying to be radical. or They're trying to be different, but in the way that sort of adapts to the world. And the moment when the church starts to be like the world we will lose our power. Because we cannot compete with the things of the world. Because the things of the world will give you immediate gratification, instant, quick fixes, will make you feel good for a moment, but it's not eternally minded. It's not rooted. There's, there's no roots in the world, even in many of the friendships. And we're going to talk a bit about that tonight. So we looked at this Call to self-denial. What a statement. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Greatest enemy of your life is not the devil, it's not the world, it's you. It's the self. It's the desire to survive, to have it all, to live life and live it right now. Doesn't matter what the consequences of that life is. And so we look then the next week on the radical call to obedience and the fact that whatever we do, it's not a formula, but there's one thing. Seek first the kingdom of God. The Bible says he will add, God will add all things to you, but when you have a motto, I want to seek the kingdom of God, then suddenly your life begins to change because you're not beginning to pray like this and say, oh Lord, I'm finishing next year, end of next year, and I need a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. Give me a job. And then the best job that comes around, you get that one. You take that one with the nicest perks or the nicest stuff or the greatest salary. You begin to pray differently. You say, God, where do you want your kingdom to come? And I realize you'll give me a job there. Where do you want to use me for your kingdom to come? Suddenly, it's a, it's a way different way of living. 
Because the kingdom comes where the king rules. And it starts and the disciples said, Lord, where's the kingdom? Where's the kingdom? And he says, well, it's inside of you. The moment when you say yes to Jesus and you become born again, you are saved. But it doesn't mean that Jesus rules in your life. It just means maybe you've signed up for the nice things. But the moment when you start to use that term, say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, then he becomes the owner, the master. And you begin to adhere to a worldview that is very different than the world. And so we start with this question, does your life really look different than what it looked on Wednesday night, on Saturday night, on Friday? Is, is, is it the same person during the week than what it is on Sunday? And so God's call is very radical and it's not something you can do. So relax because it's impossible to be a Christian. Okay, let's finish the sermon. No, no, no. It is impossible to adhere to God's standards. And that's why God calls you and he invites you to this relationship with him. And the challenge is, is are we willing to do that? And so we read in Galatians 6 verse 2 to 3, we ended with that where God calls us to a radical, real, authentic relationship with him and with each other. Listen to this in Galatians 6. It says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. (laughs) If you think you are something when you are actually nothing, you are deceived. So self-deception is so... So huge when we think like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually a good person. You know, I'm, I'm actually great, you know. And I'm at least better than Pietronella, you know, and Shabalala around the corner, you know. I don't sin like them. And have you heard how she swears? Ooh. Use pepper, salt, Worcester sauce, anything. That woman needs something in her mouth because, well, one of those words. But I at least have not said any word. Oh, the moment when you think you're something. I remember I just got saved at school and there was like this massive semi-revival that broke out in school. And within three weeks after we got filled with the Holy Spirit, um, we just started to preach the gospel. People got saved. People got filled with the Holy Spirit. And almost 300 guys in this boys' school got saved, gave their hearts to the Lord. We had worship sessions every evening after we studied just on the field people just came out all the scholars just came and the school couldn't stop it there was some persecution that came some of the teachers didn't like what was happening and um and so at a stage at the height of this revival there was this one guy that was swearing it was still there in the residence there with me um of course and so so i was thinking the evening i said ha i'm so glad i don't swear like that guy and i was just thinking it and the next day the next day in my science class you won't believe it i was standing and entering into the door and the wind went and the wind just blew the door and it and suddenly four fingers got ministered to between the door and the side of the door and something popped out a word that I have not used, I think, ever in my life while the whole... Now, now I was the issue chairman, the, the, the guy everyone thought like. And, and so I'm, I was walking there and bah, it slammed. And then came the word. I, I don't know if you've ever spoken a word. You've said something to somebody and, and the words go out and it, and it sort of travels out and you want to grab it. And, and just like, oh. 
But, but it came out, it was released into the spiritual realm. If only the class was empty, but no, there was actually two classes combined as I walked into the class because it was a bit late of a meeting. And so the word came out and then everybody went like, oh. No? Just, just, just that moment where you could like, okay, Lord, I'm going to swallow me up. This is the end. Come, Jesus, now. Do it everything over here. Right? And I said this word, and it was just like silence. It felt like three hours. It was probably three seconds. And I stood there, and I said a swear word. And I was just thinking like, this is the most humbling moment ever. And there was an old guy. There was a, this, a, this guy that I knew. He only quoted the old King James because he said that's the most powerful. He says, don't take pride in this standeth, lest you falleth, you know. And that was the scripture that came to mind. Don't take pride in your standing lest you fall. I wish I could take those words and just... But it, it, didn't, it didn't happen. You know, and so coming to God, if you don't come with the true humility, with the fact that you know that you're broken, you're just a broken person in need of God. You'll never be able to discover, I'll never be able to discover who God is. God calls broken people. And that's why I love David so much, because David messed up, but David ran to God. And that's what's so beautiful about repentance. Repentance means a change of mind, heart, direction, and action. (laughs) If you just thought you have repented, you have not repented. If you just lived by intention... There has been no change because you've been walking this direction and now suddenly you realize like I'm on the wrong road. I need a transformation. I need a renewing of my mind. So if I've really repented, I've changed 180 metanoia, turned around and I've had a change of heart, mind, direction and action. And so God calls us to live lives of true repentance. And that's what it means to be a real Christian, is you know the power of repenting. You know, like David would run into the presence of God and say, God, against you and you alone have I sinned. Go and read Psalm 51. That's what he wrote after he sinned against Bathsheba. He says, God, but, but it's not about me because it's not about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is you, you say the right things to God because you don't want to be caught out. You don't want to be exposed by other people. You, know? you just don't want to look bad. You're fearing other people. But true repentance is when you have a heart surrendered to God and you realize like, wow, God, I can run to you and I'm messy and I'm messed up. I'm not perfect. Amen? So that's what God calls us to. And so in John 15, we spoke a bit about that, is real covenant relationships. But let me tell you today, nobody in the Western world especially knows the power of covenant relationships anymore. Because of divorce, because of a lot of things that work. You know, people say, until death do us part, but then, no, 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 until the next girl comes around the corner, then I part with you. Because we've lost the value of understanding covenant and covenant is a deep rooted relationship with God and that's why God says well if you want to have covenant with me he says I'm going to cut covenant with myself I'm going to send my son to die for you and I'm going to make the vows I'm going to make the promises all you need to do is just show up and let the covenant be on my terms because we've lost the value of those covenants 
And so it's so beautiful when scripture talks about then as us coming together tonight, this is not a sing-along. You coming here tonight, this, this is not just a gathering of a couple of people. This is profound when people come together in the name of Jesus because it's called spiritual family. And a lot of us, because of our brokenness, we are hurt or we mistrust or we think like, yeah, yeah, I'll rather go into the crowd or I'll rather just show up for an event. But then if you don't engage your heart, you will never discover the life of abundance that comes out of discovering that you are broken and God calls you with a bunch of other broken people to walk a road. And so there's some things that are just like given in scripture, but it's lost to the church, especially when we become event orientated. And our motto, one of the mottos of this year is, is we're not saying anymore, I am going to church. I am the church. We are the church. And what God does in our lives, and I'm going to look at the, some of those scriptures. And so where we start is walking in the light. We did a couple of this weeks ago or months ago. We spoke about this. But if you want to have true relationship with God and with other people, you are going to need to learn to be accountable. And that's what we don't like. We don't like to walk in the light, but we've lost the value of the blood of Jesus. And we're going to take communion at the end of the service. The, the church has lost the value of the blood of Jesus if we don't understand what it actually means to commit myself to God, to walk in the light to Him first and then to other people. And it is scary because it is messy. Who's, who's a married here? A couple of married people there at the back. Who wants to be married? <laughs> Okay, just keep the hands raised, keep the hands raised. Just look around, look around. Okay, okay, I see that hand, I see those hands. Okay, who, 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 yeah, who wants to be married? Why did some of you not raise your hand? Okay. Oh, okay, we have a claiming club, okay. Name it, frame it, claim it. Okay, that's, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't work like that, but listen to this. Sometimes a lot of people want to get married, but we have this expectation that I'm going to get solved. My life is going to get this beautiful, amazing utopia when I get married. All my problems are going to be solved, and I've got good news for you. I, I spoke to Lawson. Is he a doctor? Dr. Lawson, are you here? We had a bit of a conversation, and I read an article two weeks ago of people that have a disease and the disease is simply that they've lost the ability to feel it's a very scary disease because they may walk through the road or, or cut their finger or do something but do you know that pain is actually very good for you so if you if you sit wrongly and suddenly you get a pain somewhere you have to like change your the way you're sitting so, because your body is telling you adjust so a lot of people think pain is bad but pain is actually good there's not a lot of people that are agreeing with me but i'm just saying it as it is the doctors say there's a doctor here where is he i don't know he's somewhere at the back here dr lawson says okay let's quote lawson okay he studied seven years and he's the head of the hospital here vernon where's dr vernon where are you am i right okay he's a blood what are you yeah, oh, that thing. Okay, a what? A blood doctor. Okay, he specializes in blood. Okay. But, but do you know what? That if you've lost your ability to feel or to feel pain, you're in trouble. 
So the world says run away from pain, run away from confronting pain, but it's, some pain is actually good for you. And when you engage in true relationship and accountability, it's painful when you have to start to open up your life so that the light can shine. It's painful when, oh, I remember doing a sermon one day and, you know, my zip was open, okay? And I didn't ne- notice it. My son always says X, Y, Z. It means examine your zip, okay? And then I say A, B, C, already been checked. Okay, but so in any case. But so I was preaching my heart out and then you get everybody in the congregation going like, It, 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 it was just amazing. I was thinking, is this a prophetic service? You know, those who wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. I was, I was thinking, uh, and, and, and then it's so amazing that some of your family members are sitting and they're saying, ah. so, I said, James, worship. Yeah, and then you're like, uh, <laughs> But it's amazing, you need some people to tell you your zip is not closed, okay? X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, okay. But we don't like that, we don't, we don't like it. And why is it so? Because of trust issues. We've been hurt. People have said stuff. And so yeah, in 1 John 1 it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You need to learn to practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The cleansing of sin and the freedom that you really want in your life is directly directly connected to the blood of Jesus and walking in the light with others around you. And it's a scary place. It's a scary place to be vulnerable. It's a scary place to allow other people to speak into your life and allow other people, in a sense, control. Because if you've been hurt, your first reaction is, I want to be a control freak. I want to be in charge. And I'm going to determine the outcomes of my life. So I'm going to study hard. I'm going to work for a great job. I'm going to get the best. I'm going to climb the ladder. And then we make these inner vows that will destroy you. Because they are in reaction to the basic place that God has called you and I to be in. That's in true relationship. First with Him and then with each other. So if I use the word intimacy, somebody described it so nicely one day. He said, and I can't remember, but I'm just quoting. Into me I see and into you I see. That's intimacy. The ability for God to allow God to see inside. And then intimacy with him is the ability to see who he is. And it's a very vulnerable, uncomfortable place. That's why people love events. That's why people love getting their lives so filled with a lot of stuff. One thing after the other thing. And we're going we're gonna to get deep fellowship when we have this action movie. And my wife and I, you know, we have deep fellowship. But it's normally because we are struggling as to see who can eat the most popcorn. You know? The... We love action movies, by the way. But the movie has not even started. Then the popcorn is already finished. Then I go out for the second because like the way 
action movies just like. And then afterwards, you're actually so stressed out and you think like, hey, that was wonderful. Eh? But entertainment will never bring you to intimacy. And the world is trying to entertain you. The devil is trying to entertain you to keep you busy so that you never come to that place where you can enter into the holiness of God. And the choir sang it so beautifully, but that thing, that beauty of his holiness, the devil wants to rob us from walking in the light. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The second thing that true, real, authentic relationships with each other, if we want to do radical discipleship, it means we need to open our lives and we need to learn to grow together. And so Peter writes this so beautifully. He says, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means put to shame. Therefore, to you believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which it builders rejected has become the chief stone, cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It says that Jesus will become a rock of offense for many people. So the moment when you say yes to God, to walking this road with him, even your life are supposed to convict other people. Because they will either hate Christ in you or they'll truly love you. Because of the love we portray. That's what he says. He said, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. But you, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter says, you're a living stone and God is working in your life. The stone by itself can do absolutely nothing. The, you, you can do a couple of things. You can, keep, you can keep this stuff up because sometimes we put stones behind this. You can use the stone as a defense mechanism. You can throw somebody with a stone maybe. But, but to build something, you, you cannot build with one stone alone. And if you, if you want to do a building project in your house, then please... Never use the cheapest people. I'm just talking, that's for free. We did, once did, bar, we, we sort of like renovated our bathrooms. And after the first bathroom, we realized that the towel rail, the heated towel rail was like upside down. The toilet thing didn't flush. And that's just because we went cheapy, cheapy, you know. But when you build, it is crazy. It is a mess. Because it is just sand, it's stones, it's stuff, it is cement, it's the whole place. It's like this, especially if you grind, it's like this dust goes into everything. It, how many of you have ever been in, in a house where there's been a building project? Your parents did a building project and you know? Have you, have you realized that their marriage didn't grow closer to each other? Okay? Did you, did you realize this was, not, this was not good? This was not a good idea to start with. Why? Because building is messy. But if you see the end product of this house, this lots of stones coming together, it creates a space of worship, a place of, hey, security. A place where 
people can dwell and especially where God can dwell if we talk about our bodies, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter has this amazing view on you and what God does in your life. He says, and what, when, especially when we come together, he says, you are a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You're not just a bunch of people. And so I want to challenge you to not stop playing Christianity. Because everything God does, he does with a purpose. And God wants to build in you. And God wants to use you as part of his building. And that's why he says, you are all being built up this spiritual house rejected by men but chosen by God and precious every stone is precious but in that wall if you look at that wall you can't see the different stones there but they're all been fitted together and that's so beautiful a holy priesthood was out of darkness into his marvelous light so God calls this group of people to grow together to build together and so one of our biggest challenges in the church is our individualism because I want to be more special. And I want to be entitled. And Jesus says, uh-uh, that's not how it works. That's why I chose 12, not just one, the top student of the University of Jerusalem. Will you stand forth? I'm giving you a bursary. Come with me. I'm going to release you. Golden key. Golden, what? What is this golden key? Here it is, you know. He released something much more into them. He says, you're going to become the building. I'm going to do stuff in you and through you. But then you together with another group of people. It's called family. It's called church. And it's messy. Why? Because of messy people. And so once you sign up for this messy club, what begins to happen? God builds in you. He builds in us. And then he begins to establish something. He builds a temple. And what, what is the purpose of that temple? He says, you own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into your marvelous light. He wants a building that will worship him. A group of people that come together. So church is much more than an event, people. Church is a family that comes together and in their brokenness and being transparent and being open and learning to trust other people and learning to forgive. Because that's one of the toughest things. If you want to get married one day, start practicing it. Just say, I forgive you, I forgive you. Men say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay? Just, just say it over. Even if you're not sorry, just say, I'm sorry. It helps. Okay? Okay? It's like some people in church, sometimes you say, say amen, and then they say amen at all the wrong places, you know? <laughs> that was a good one there. What good one? Okay. Listen to what's in Ephesians. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God wants to inhabit the praises of his people. God is looking for a place where he can send his spirit to. And the question tonight is not, are you welcome? The question is, does God feel welcome in your home? Does he feel welcome there in your faculty where you walk and where other brothers come together and where you, does he feel welcome there in your room where you stay? God wants a dwelling place. And that's why he says, whenever we come together, he's there in the midst of us. 
The moment when you greet somebody, I don't know if you've been, you know, we, we send a lot of mission teams all across the world and you come to India or you come to a place where you haven't been before and there you meet a bunch of Christians. It's one hour and suddenly you begin to talk about Jesus and what he's done and you share testimonies. And it's the most amazing thing. It's like you've known these people for a long time. You realize like this is family. You realize like, wow, the blood of Jesus has brought us into covenant together. You know, and you can't pronounce half of it, but you'd stand there and you, whether it's Chinese or Chinese or what Taiwanese or whatever, and you feel like, wow, this feels like family. <laughs> because it's like, this is what scripture says. You're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints built on the foundation in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple. So God calls us as a group of people in this process of radical discipleship to say, I'm going to commit myself not just to an individual growth, but to a group of people. And I'm going to begin to take responsibility for another group of people that will grow together. Because <laughs> why? We want to establish a place of worship for God in Stellenbosch. I want to move out here as a student, not just with a piece of paper and a degree and a ping on the head when you stand there for four hours that is so boring because everybody, this is just your mom and dad that claps when you walk past the stage and then they're like, oh yeah, normally they clap at the wrong time because it's like, but hallelujah, you know, praise God for degrees, not belittling that. But if that's all you're coming for, well, you can say, God, when I will leave this place, I want to leave living stones being built up. I want to I be part of this building that's being fitted together into a holy temple so that when people walk into my life, the presence of God will be made manifest. Now, now you must go and study revivals. It's amazing. You probably have heard of people like John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth. But Smith Wigglesworth, where's my Bible? I've got a big Bible here. Thanks, George. Smith Wigglesworth will sit on a train and he'll just be reading scriptures. Don't want to throw Jesus over. So Smith Wigglesworth will, will sit and just read scripture on the train. And as he's just reading scripture, just communion with God, having communion with God, he'll stop at the train station. And because of the presence of God in his life, everybody on the platform, more than 400 people, will fall onto their faces and begin to repent deeply because of the presence of God. He hasn't said a word. Hasn't spoken a word. He was just minding his own business, just reading scripture. And people would begin to cry, walk into factories. And because of the temple of God. The whole factory, 300 people will stop and people will start to weep bitterly because they hunger for the holiness of God. But see, you've been conned because the world tells you, just have your fun out there. You've been conned, you've been lied to by the devil. You've been conned and lied to by this university by just saying, no, no, they, these are the important things. My question is, are you willing? Are you willing to understand that the presence of God will transform your life, will change your life?
But every day you're being built up. You say, God, I'm a conduit. I want to be used by you. This isn't to be weird. This isn't to be different. This is just normal, normal Christianity. Because when I read the book of Acts, I begin to see a different group of people. People that would walk by on the way to the temple, just minding their business, wanting to go and worship God. And then through shadows, people were healed. Peter and these guys said, well, money we don't have and all these stuff you're asking us, we don't have. But what we do have, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. (laughs) See, what are you settling for? Because when I read this book, I'm challenged. When I read this book, I realize, like, Lord, how can they say it's boring to be a Christian? Wow. And there are crazy stories in here. Let me not say that. You know, because we, 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 we want to sort of like be intellectual around Jesus. But Philip would wake up in the morning and he would run out to the desert and then the Holy Spirit would say, go to the desert and they will find this Ethiopian eunuch and he'll preach the gospel to him. The guy was like reading scripture and then the Bible says, the next moment, he's 30 kilometers further. Many stories like that. This is a crazy book. The Bible says Jesus got into the boat, and the next moment, they were two kilometers further on the shore. Defying science. Try to figure that one out. Some, some people are going like this. But how are you reading this book? Because this is normal Christianity. And the devil is robbing us from our inheritance. He's robbing us from so much. But God is raising up a new generation. And that's why it calls us to real authentic relationships and friendships. In 1 Thessalonians, listen to how Paul is crying out. We have 10 minutes. Let's pick up speed. We have another 30 slides to go. Socks starts praying. Yeah, yeah, take your time. This is Africa. Amen. Lock the doors. Minister has spoken. Okay. What does it mean when a pastor says... um, we're finishing off. Nothing. Okay, but in any case, First Thessalonians 3, verse 6 to 13. <laughs> but oh, I thought that was quite a cool one. But so now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love. Now this is Paul. They're under tremendous persecution. Many people don't want to read the scriptures, but most of the scriptures that Paul wrote, he wrote out of prison. And he says, count it all joy. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and your love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. So they're going through every difficulty that you could possibly think of. Paul says, your faith... Because we're family and because of your faith, because you're stepping out, your faith is comforting us here in our distress. For now we live, if you stand fast in the Lord, for what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. (laughs) He's in prison, but because there's breakthrough in somebody else's life, he's beginning to realize like, wow, your breakthrough brings faith to my life. You know, when John testified this morning in the Afrikaans service, and he's going to have some time. This week we got news, our... I don't know if you know, where's him, John? There at the back. I was just weeping. I couldn't even send him a WhatsApp because of believers praying. He was diagnosed with cancer and that 
Cancer has gone down. There's no more cancer in his back. God is busy healing him as he's speaking, you know. But what a testimony, because most of us, when we have cancer, we'll, we'll throw a pity party and not stop, we'll stop following God, because why is God allowing this and all that stuff? Now, sickness is not from God, amen? But every time he stands up there, and sorry, um, John, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. He's been in the church a long time. I begin to weep. So if in the church a long time, I'll put you on the spot. But I know now. I begin to weep because I think like, Lord, he's just giving you glory and he's just speaking of your goodness. He has so many other reasons not to say so. That's Christianity. Worshiping God. That's what we read the scriptures. It says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way. So this is this longing. It says, we, we are so in distress, but so, we, we so long for you. We so want to see you. We just so want to be with you. Your faith is strengthening our faith. And, and whatever is lacking in your faith, we want to get there. We want to get to you. We've heard of Timothy. We've heard of these things. And, and it's just so amazing, he says. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I want your love to increase and abound for one another. Because the reason, the fruit of that increase of that love. And he says, that's our desire. The way that we love you. And even when we in this tough time, I, I just want to say to you, we're longing for you and we're praying to meet with you. But he says, that your hearts may be blameless in holiness before God. He says, because what has started to happen, it's not just this uchi love, it's a sacrificial love. He says, I pr we pray exceedingly, we pray for you day and night, we're in prison and it's going tough with us and all these things, but we, we're praying that there will be increase in your love, because we want your hearts to remain blameless. We've taken responsibility for you in the spirit. And so may God just bring us to that place where we meet again. I love these stuff that the scripture talks about and how Paul would weep bitterly and he would cry and he would say, rejoice always, pray without ceasing because he's doing that, because he's taken up the responsibility of other believers and people around him. Why? Because this is a family affair. But see, because of hurt and because of mistrust, what happens? Our hearts become defiled. And tonight the Lord wants to heal you if your heart is defiled. And you will know that your heart is defiled either through just bitterness, a deep sense of anger. You're always reacting and you're always blaming. But if your heart is blameless, it means that God can begin to reveal himself. God, God can show you that there's stuff. He, he doesn't just want to heal you, he wants to begin to use you. Now, I don't know if you've been around people sometimes, they just always see the bright side of life and you think like, wow. But if you spend time with those people that are just bitter and negative and always know what's wrong and they're always moaning about the government, eventually you realize like, oh, and the nation and everything is just bad and everything is falling apart. You just realize like, what's going on here, you know? Why? Because it, there's always blame shifting. It's always somebody else's fault. Paul says, I want you to increase in your love for one another because the church is the vehicle to do it. If you realize how spiritual your relationships around you is and how God sees it, he says, I want you to be this building that provides this place 
that your love may increase and abound for one another. But so, so why do we withdraw from each other? Because of offense. <laughs> because of deception. Because of hurt and pain and unforgiveness. Because of our individual culture, our consumer culture. That says just conform, just be like the world. And then our hearts are clogged up. It's getting better and you see so many people. Everybody just like, there's always this bitterness. It's just like this, blah. It's like people just vomiting all over people. And that's their life. And that's the world that we live in. And so God says, I want to restore hope. I want you as the church to be the light bearers and the hope bearers of this nation. The church is the only answer for the nation. Jesus Christ is the only answer for the nation. Because we're the only people that can really live blameless and say, hey, I'm not going to blame other people. I'm going to take responsibility because firstly, I know I'm nothing. And firstly, I'm here by the grace of God. And I'm bringing all my imperfections and my brokenness and, my, and, I'm, and I'm submitting myself to this process of growing, of being accountable. Why? So that we can build this house for God to sing praises to Him. Freely, blameless. And so then you come to a place as a Christian that it doesn't matter whether it's going good with you or bad with you. You keep on praising God because you've become a worshiper. You don't worship God because of what you can get. You don't worship God because, oh, you know, these chauffeur people. <gasps> Have you noticed? Have you noticed? It is an hour and a half already. Oh, I could have watched the whole soccer game. Liverpool. It's just, I, 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 I'm never going to go back to that place, you know. Imagine you say that to your girlfriend one day. I'll give you two minutes, you know. Imagine I say to my wife, you know, I want to be intimate with you, but you know what? I'll see you on Sunday from 6 to 7. And on Wednesday, I'll give you half an hour. But don't interrupt me too much, you know. I really want to get to know you. But uh, let's make an appointment. Will you just phone my secretary? Yeah? And you can come into the office. I'll counsel you. Yeah. And then you think like, who wants a relationship with that? Like that, you know, you're like, crazy. But you know how we do that with God? God will have time for you when I'm 35, when I'm 60, and I haven't got any other fun stuff to do anymore. When I've ticked all the boxes off. But then we see a world, it's just being like this well. And the picture the Lord showed me for tonight is a well that has been so blocked because people have thrown stuff down your well. People have said stuff about you and they just fill that well. There's no fresh water. And the Lord wants to unblock that well so that there'll be a fountain. That other people will say, look at that fountain. There's water over there. Fresh water. It's come down from deep down. It's not fair weather water. It's not a little bottled spring water. It comes down because it's gone deep. It's discovered priceless water, fresh. Jesus said, if you drink of that water, you will never thirst again. Jesus said, if you come to that place. But see, the world is lying to us. The world is lying to you about being fulfilled and having the joy of God and really getting to know relationship. Because relationship is a hard work. But relationship is so rewarding when it's in covenant. 
Because you realize then even why do we get married is to worship God together. Why do we get married? Not to fulfill each other and to put expectation on each other and eventually just like look to this other person to fulfill me. It's like when we start walking together to see the kingdom of God come. It's when we start to come into agreement. Two imperfect people. Because what begins to happen in our relationships is if I put pressure on that relationship to fulfill me, then what's going to happen is I'm going to start to manipulate that relationship. Because eventually you can't give me what I want and I'll get it from you. Or I'll manipulate you with finances, with sex, with this, with this. We'll just manipulate each other. And when you're not good enough, there you go. That's what the world does. Because the world is broken. But God calls us to authentic relationships and discipleship. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.